Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Been Drinking, Been Watching. My name is Matthew Belts, and I'm here with my co-hosts today, Andrew Hogan and Alex Ace Caimano. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about 2001 summer hit Jeepers Creepers, the story about Derry and Trish, two bickering siblings driving home for a college break when they make a horrific and bizarre <laughs> discovery in an old church basement. Break may have to wait, as Derry and Trish are relentlessly pursued by the Creeper, a creature who is hell-bent on eating them. Gore, tragedy, and an unexpected ending ensue. This movie is starring Justin Long and Gina Phillips. It was written and directed by Victor Salva and produced and distributed by United Artists and MGM. We had a great time making this podcast. I hope you enjoy. Oh, all right. What's going on? Been drinking, been watching. You can sit on your own dick for this one. I will answer it, but I need to know the parameters here. Fucking theater people. Um, so initial impressions... It's probably been about five years since I really like sat down and watched Jeepers Creepers. The first half hour of this movie is awesome. It's really good. Like the first half hour really does get you. You're so on edge because uh, like you're really not exposed to anything except his big shadowy, intimidating figure. Who is he? Just, uh, just the, the, the creeper. The creeper. You know. <laughs> um, so I mean, basically, you know, in summary, a brother and a sister. Um, that's made known to us early, you know, that they're not a couple. They're clearly brother and sister. They have that bond. Um, they're driving home through this isolated countryside for spring break. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be in Florida. No, uh, this was interesting. I don't think it's Florida. I Correct me if I'm wrong. If you know this, actually, I have this in like one of my initial impressions. So this works out nicely. One of my initial impressions was, I think it was all filmed in Florida, but it feels very much like it's in Oklahoma or Idaho, like yeah, very Midwest, like Midwest plains, like nothing around, like, but it's like, where are they going though? You know what I mean? Like where, like, that's, that's my whole thing. I was like, uh, if they're going for spring break, like they don't really touch on that. There's no, like, there's no like back flashes. There's no cutaways. You know what I mean? Like it's all very in the moment. Do we know why they're going home? Wait, or where they're going? They're going home. They say right? they're going home from yeah. like college, but it's not spring break. Is it? I don't know. I thought, I thought they were on spring break. Maybe this movie is more complex than we thought. I'm pretty sure that this movie is, you know, I think it takes place like closer to the bayou. It seems like it takes place closer to the bayou. Like Louisiana. Like Louisiana, West Tech, or East Texas. Like I can see that. East, yeah. South Texas. Um, so, yeah, back to, back to uh, plot summary. Um, there's this truck, this rusty truck um, that's like pretty threateningly, uh, you know, chasing after them. You know, it comes up on them uh, from the rear. And, uh, and, um, immediately it tries to immediately tries to intimidate them. You know what I mean? And it's like, um, it tries to more or less run them off the road. Um, after he gets by them, they do the whole, you know, like he's already gone. So then Justin Long starts pumping his chest. You know what I mean? He screams out inbreeders, you know, things like that. Like, like, oh, big tough guy now, you know, now that, now that the big scary truck has gone away and he was done shitting himself. Probably the best line in the movie, I would argue. You know what causes that? Inbreeding! It's arguable, yeah. Arguable. Um, so then they're driving, by, they continue driving down the road, um, and, you know, within two minutes, they come upon this old abandoned church building. Do you guys want any of this, by the way? It's just uh, it's just CBD topical cream. No, <laughs> I don't. I'd like to continue doing the fucking plot summary. Yeah, 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 keep going, keep going. You're doing a good job. Um... <laughs> Anyway, like I said, they drive by this church and there's this, uh, they see the same truck that was behind them and they see this masculine giant figure with, with a, yeah, Harry with a big trench coat. Um, he's throwing something, um, what kind of looks like bodies, you know, he, it looks like there's blood stains. you know, obviously it's only coming from the road, so it's tough to tell. Um, he throws them this large pipe, uh, and as they drive by, they're clearly making eye contact and the guy pans over and sees that they're there. Um... So then the guy gets right in his truck and he he tries to follow them again, you know, and he does the same thing. It's it's like a scare tactic because clearly he doesn't want to get them right away because if he wanted to, he he obviously could have. Um, but this he, is all this is all speculation, by the way. Hold up, you are giving us a lot of the plot. Just give me your initial impressions. We were just looking for the plot, but you're giving us the whole fucking story, man. What what are your like? What you, what works about that opening? What do you like about the opening? I mean, I liked everything about the opening. I like how you don't necessarily see what the figure is. It's left for interpretation. He looks like he could just be just this regular guy. You know what I mean? Um, 
and and I like the aspect of how he doesn't go after them. Well, he goes after them, but he doesn't try to get them right away because, like I said, he clearly could have. For sure. But he, he's just trying to scare them. He's trying to fuck with them a little bit. Uh, that's my initial impression of what I liked. Uh, sorry that I was <laughs> explaining the fucking movie a little too much. It's from 01. I don't know the last time anybody listening watched it, so sorry. <laughs> All right, Alex, what do, what do you got? Initial impression. Initial impression was that this is an absolute abortion of horror movies. This was <laughs> terrible with a the capital T and a capital double R, man. It is bad. It is literally a Goosebumps episode feature. And you can tell right from the opening credits that font choice was fucking horrendous. You made this with iMovie, you scumbags. Hey, man, if they did make it with iMovie, kudos to them. Kudos to them. Well, I, I, I felt like they tried to capture the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe, like right off the rip. It was like with that big, long opening shot where it pans over as the car comes down the road. I'm like, okay, cool. That, that, that's a good choice. Good way to open the movie. And then from there absolute fucking downhill nonsense it was terrible if i may that's interesting you say that uh because one of my uh, one of my thoughts about this movie is that like it created its own kind of mythology for itself in the same way that like friday the 13th or jason or anything like this is the first movie to come into the 2000s that like was like okay we're gonna do something that they did in the 60s and 70s and then of course it did spawn you know two sequels so i thought that was interesting you bring up kind of the texas chainsaw massacre because it had that vibe but it was also like a monster movie like sci-fi you know yeah i mean it definitely tried to capture that vibe but it felt like it tried to capture capture the franchise vibe before you even had the movie to make a franchise out of it was a bold opening move it was was super bold like the thing about like the the campiness in horror movies i mean obviously there was they were made cheap you know the actors were you know low seasoned. I mean, like after the Hitchcock era when they did, you know, Night of the Living Dead and those kind of horror movies. But um, this was putting the cart before the horse, I think. It's like, then the thing, why it worked with like Halloween and Friday the 13th was because in the original conception, the first movies of those were legitimate monster movies. And then they cheesed it up afterwards. All right. So general uh, general discussion for the two of you, then the monster. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The monster, it it lives for what? 13, 23 days, 23 days, every 23rd spring. So in Jeepers Creepers, this monster, this thing that they've created, it it lives for 23 days and it hunts and it eats people. And it's it kind of blends in because it's like wearing a coat and a hat and it drives a car. So by all means, it could blend in. So it kills these things. It eats for and then it die. It. It sleeps for how long? It kind of snagged that concept from it a little bit, like a the little whole, bit, like the twenty seventh year concept for it. How Pennywise re- resurfaces, you know, and eats for. Oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't considered that. Oh wow, it is. A, it's kind of a Frankenstein of a movie. Yeah, it, it almost literally rips it off. This movie came out at a really good time for for these teen horror movies. You know what I mean? Like it came, like I said, it came out in one. Um, so it was it was something a little bit different from the cheesy teen slasher movies that you had seen, like in the couple years prior and even a couple years after that, you know, like with like the I Know What You Did Last Summers and, and Scream and things like that. Like those came out a couple years prior to this. So then this went in a little different direction. And like I said, the first half an hour of this movie, I think leading up until right after the police officer scene where he's on the car. I don't know about you guys, but I loved that scene. This, um, where yes. Jeepers Creepers is playing, you know, they Derry stops, he stops Trish real quick. He's like, stop, 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 listen, listen. And it's that alternate version of the song. And he's he's pleading with her about how the woman on the phone said, you know, like, you hear this song, that means something bad's coming. And then without even necessarily noticing it real quick, they pan into like the rearview mirror shot of the police officer's car behind them. And the creeper is just standing on the hood you can hear a little bit of the wind and you can hear the music. I love that. I love that scene. I love that shot. Let me ask you this. Okay. So this is what I wanted to get to as this is why I tried to build up the creature. Does it work for you? Does the concept and the execution of this monster work for you guys? And it's so interesting you bring up the 90s thing. I want to get back to that because I have a lot of notes in here saying, wow, they kind of, they held on to a lot of horror tropes from the 90s that are very specific to like Scream, that are very, that are very specific to, uh, um, 
I know what you did last summer. It, it's kind of, uh, I, I, I'm going to find it in my notes just to like give it a finer well, point. Well, Ace, if you want to take that, but you want to yeah. answer that one right now. Yeah, then, what do know. you think of the monster? Does it work? I don't think so. I think that they reveal too much of him too quick. It's like, okay, so he's this big, ominous, shadowy figure in the middle of the broad daylight in what seems like Texas. Like, you don't blend or hide at all. And like, so your house is one of these, where like his pain layer. Or layer of pain. House of pain. I mean, house of pain. It's like, oh, Jesus, man. You couldn't have come up with something a little bit more creative than the house of pain. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. like the house yeah. of pain. Not agony. Not like the pit of despair, even. Like they were trying to be precise. They were, like, right? they were like, we want people to be in pain here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pain, for lack of a better term. But um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think you... I think that was... To like spirit Halloween monster. It's almost cliche. Very cliche. Yeah. It's like, okay, so it's big, tall, and obviously it's scary. But you also like, I, I like the concept of the boogeyman. That's what it's supposed to be. That it's was the like, original title. Was it? uh, that was the, I did a little half ass uh, Googling, you know, and uh, yeah, that was, I, I, it was something similar to that, actually. I wrote it down. Uh, I think it was called um, Here Comes the Boogeyman. I got to start bullet pointing my notes. It's just like a big fucking paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Charlie Day's uh, chalkboard and it's always sunny. Like, Honestly. It's literally just there like, is no Carol. Right? In HR. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really thought that it was, uh, I thought it was cheap. I thought the uh, prosthetics were cheap and I could see where the budget went into. I think you said this was what, a $10 million movie? Yeah, so uh, I looked it up. It's a $10 million movie. It made 56 or something at the box office. So by all, you know, by financial standards, it's a hit. So that's why I'm kind of interested to see if the monster worked because people saw it. It was like the largest opening Labor Day weekend movie. Yeah, it's crazy. Until it's, the sequel came out like a here's couple the, years later. Here's what I, I, I want to go back to the monster, though. I, I would argue, I'm, I, I'm not in that boat, Ace. I argue that for when this came out and what it was trying to do, I think it works. I think the monster works, and here's why. Because they did two things with the monster that I thought was so unique. One, they put the money into the face. That monster's face, and I have it noted later, it's a really good gag with the with the claws coming out of its face and it screaming. I thought that was really well done. It was cheesy. It was in early 2000s, so like it's definitely dated, but I think at the time it was cool. The other thing that I would argue they did well with the monster, again, a product of its time, did not age well, but I was actually, I would argue it aged okay, not well, was the wings. The wings. Uh -huh. So when it's in the road and the wing pops up, I don't know. Maybe I was just a few too many whiskeys in, and I, but I was like, "Ooh, okay." For a '90s movie, that's kind of like the equivalent of like what they did in Nightmare on Elm Street, and I think Nightmare on Elm Street aged okay. The movie aged okay. <laughs> I don't think Freddy Krueger's original depiction aged that well. He's not intimidating no, at all not. anymore, and I. I'm gonna I'm gonna counter. I don't think the wings work. I think I think the creeper itself is so much more terrifying. If you don't ever actually see him fly away, you just sure, know that sure. you, you just see that he's he's gone. He's gotten away somehow. You don't know how. You know what I mean? The wings are almost cartoon. So uh, jumping ahead, you would have done that differently had you directed. Yeah, we're gonna touch on that in a little <laughs> we'll bit. We'll touch on that. We'll touch on the things that I would have done differently in a little bit. But I mean, I'll I'll attribute some of this to you know it's two thousand one. Like it's I think that this is, is a large. Like, this is twenty years ago. You know yeah. what I mean? It was two thousand and one, but even before two thousand and one, they did more effective practical effects, and they had more effective. Um, like reveals of monsters and monsters Absolutely. were scarier with less. And I can tell that a lot of that budget went into making the creeper, you know, as detailed and freaky looking and as derivative as predator as you could possibly get. So let me ask you this, aside from the wings and maybe barring some bad directorial choices leading up to the reveal of the wings, were you into the monster? Loved it. Like I said, because I mean, this isn't that long of a movie. Like, what is no, the movie? An hour, like an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half, if that, you know? So it's kind of like for, for 40 minutes, you don't actually know what the, what this guy looks like. You know what I mean? That's why, I, that's why I say the first half of the movie does hold up to me. Like, I, I really loved the first half of the movie. It's scary. Yeah. You know, you're on edge. And then I think once you hear Giselle, the woman on the phone, I think once she comes into it, like, then it loses me. I'm like, yeah. If I, if I may, I'm going to just jump right into it. Let's talk about the cast. Sure, uh, yeah. I am going to go to bat for Justin Long. I think that he is just kind of that everyman that you just want to kind of follow. And, you know, he's kind of silly. He's kind of sincere. 
But like for this movie, I would argue Justin Long works. Uh, the supporting character, uh, well, I guess we got to talk Gina about Phillips Gina Phillips. Gina Phillips, yeah, too. She's, the, she's on his level in this movie, you know what I mean? Well, it's interesting because she was actually billed, she's the main star. Uh, so Justin Long, Justin Long was pretty early on. That was like this, one of his you know first big I mean? ones, right? Uh, yeah, I think. That um, was his third movie. Third movie. He was in was Galaxy Quest. Movie. Right. I think that was his first one. Yes, he was. He was in Galaxy one. Quest. But um, Can we do Galaxy Quest coming up soon? I Definitely love that not. What? Come on. That's a classic. Alan Rickman, Sigourney Weaver, Tim Allen. What a great cast. Tony um, Shalhoub. And then he did, um, he did sure Crossroads with Britney Spears. He was yep. in Crossroads for a little bit, um, which that was like a big summer movie. But then he really was noticed the first time um, in Dodgeball. No, accepted. Accepted's after Dodgeball. Was Dodge, it? Dodgeball's 05, accepted, I think, is 06. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I'll leave um, but, like, Gina Phillips. But we um, all know that Justin Long's best movie is obviously Tusk. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Fight me. And his brief Actually, cameo. Shout in, out to Tom and Janine. Best movie ever. His brief cameo in New Girl. <laughs> oh, he was in New Girl. He was pretty good in New Girl. Yeah, he was. Um, he was also in that 70s show for a minute. He was. But Gina Phillips, she. Um, yeah, after this she? movie, she was she had like a long line of TV shows. You know what I mean? Like guest spots in TV shows. She never really was like a leading lady in anything else. After no, that. and I don't think that Justin is much of a, a leading man. He's had some great parts. I think that he's definitely chosen his movies wisely for yeah. the character that he is. He's definitely not dynamic. Like he can't shift. Like he no, is he can't. Justin he Long. can't. He can't hold a movie. No, absolutely not. He just kind of enhances it and is there, like you know, a little bit. Of she stuff was in on things top. before that too. She was in shows. She's been. She's been a TV actress. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. She's got uh, a huge roster. She was in Growing Pains, one of my favorite. Yeah, that was like her first thing. Um, shows. Uh, but yeah, I took Ace. I completely agree with you. Justin Long is great. Justin Long is great in roles when you're watching a movie and you're like, oh my God, Justin's Long, Justin Long's in this movie? Uh, the best example is Zach Amir. Zach Amir make a porno, right. right. Like he's right. in it for five minutes and you're like, that's a, we're going to touch on something that we talked a little bit about last week. In Zach and Miri Make a Porno, I want the record to show, Justin Long stole that movie. You're not going to hear one argument Okay, good. Me. Okay, good. Back what's, to Jeepers Creepers. I just had to get that what's out. What's that thing he says? I fucking love this line. Uh, More like if Glenn and Gary like dangled their balls in Ross's eager mouth or something. Like, I, Don't what, quote me on that. I don't know that one verbatim. And then Seth Rogen, what, is that like a, is that sequel? a sequel? Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> more, more ass. More ass. <laughs> That's an underrated movie. Um, um, but continue on with Jeepers Creepers and the cast. Okay, so we've got the main two out of the way. Uh, I'm interested because I love the supporting characters. Who's that old lady with the gun? Eileen Brennan. Eileen Brennan. So from Clue. Good. Yeah. She's so good. She is. Yeah. I imagine that when it came to casting, they probably spent a lot of money to get her to play for just that one scene. Oh, for sure. Just and there's the so many scene. ladies that could have played that role. Like who no was Nurse Ratchet? Who's Nurse Ratchet? Uh, you, oh no! Who is she, she's in Shameless? Um, this is gonna Fletcher uh, Louise, uh, Louise Fletcher. Fletcher. When as soon as as soon as I was I was watching this, I thought that was her in my in my head. I was like, oh, that's right, Louise Fletcher's in this. And then I was like, oh no, she's not. No, <laughs> no, she's not. Um, I was like, so Who yeah. is this lady? And then I so, recognized her. And then I mean that the what, what was the name of the like the Mystic Woman? Oh, Giselle. She's oh, the lady she... in all those commercials these days. Um, she's. Uh, her name's Patricia Belcher. Uh, I have seen her in other things, too. Um, she was in, like, 500 Days of Summer. Um, I think she was in that movie Flatliners with, uh, who's in that, like, Skeet Ulrich or something she like was. that? Edward Norton? I don't know. Some, someone's in that movie that's good. Uh, but she's like, a, she's, like, a commercial actress now. I've seen her in a ton of things lately. I'm trying to think. Uh, it might be, like, a progressive commercial. Um, so, again, nothing relevant. Um, she was a little much, man. She, she was a little much. Like, I thought she was good over the phone. And I was like, oh, this is a nice little element to this story. Somebody who has the knowing. And then as she gets onto screen, she just gets more and more annoying and more and more useless. Dude, you fucking hate this movie. <laughs> I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> I think that this is... And I, I like that we chose this. I like that this is a great discussion. Now we can well, it's all good just we not can agree all, with each other. Right. We all don't agree. <laughs> we agree in certain elements, but like there's a lot, like the foundation of this movie, none of us agree on. Like, no, no, definitely not. Terrible. Um, Which I, I didn't think was going to happen. I thought that I loved this movie. And I thought I hated it. Yeah. Like I legitimately like going into this, I was like, this is going to be the easiest hour and a half of my life. And then 45 minutes in, I'm like. Fuck, I kind of want to go out. <laughs> I'm like, this movie sucks. <laughs> well, that's why I was drinking whiskey when I was watching it. I was like, I, I tried to watch it twice. I gave it the good full all the way through. 
um, Saturday, and then yesterday I tried to do it again, and, and you know, I'm at a pig roast, so you know there was some beers flowing, and uh, yeah, I couldn't get past the the opening, which is you guys say that you love the opening. I think it's some of the most awkward like back and forth between who are supposed to be brother and sister. There's something in like incestual, like about their relationship. And it was played up. It was definitely overplayed. It was like, like oh, the sibling rivalry. So weird. Okay. But I do want to touch on that because I, I want to, I want to give a shout out to the writer uh, who actually was the director, Victor uh, Slovak. So Slavic. give him a shout out. Hang him. Uh, yeah. I want to, no, not hang him. Get out of here. Get out of here with that nonsense, Alex. Um, no, I want to give him a, a, a I want to give him a shout out because I really thought the opening scene worked for me. Like, I think what you're talking about might be the like dynamic between the two actors, like maybe not clicking or like maybe not rehearsing the scene enough, but I really think that it was a really good storytelling device. Uh, the opening scene, how they're running up on cars and trying to get the license played and they're counting scores. Like it doesn't tell you a lot about the characters, but it immediately we're friendly. Now I'm in who's older. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I thought he was older, but then, like, last night, I thought she was older, and, like, I don't know. She looks older. I think I think she's the older one. Yeah. I really think that she's the, I mean, it kind of makes sense in their dynamic. Like, he's pretty naive and, you know, childish, and she seems to be more together. And the car that she picked, like, that's her car. I what know. a random choice, and it's like. I, I think horror movies can be summed up in just don't drive a shitty car. Yeah. Well, you might live. <laughs> I think it's at least helpful. <laughs> just don't drive a shit box that the gears get stuck every time that you try to shift. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I think that uh, something else that was interesting to me about this movie, I don't know. It, well, I guess this is kind of a moot point for Ace. He doesn't like it as is, but I thought that there were certain elements that worked for me. Uh, in terms of the production design. Like, for example, I loved that they based a whole, like, 10-minute sequence around a pipe in the ground. And the way that they kind of shot that sequence, like looking up the pipe and looking down the pipe and the shadows and the light and the way that the camera kind of moved, I thought that was interesting. I also thought that there were, like, other elements that they, you like, really, when you boil it down, this movie takes place in four locations and then on the road. And I really thought that they did a good job with the production design of the church and the basement in the church with the bodies. I don't think the camera was utilized well enough to kind of, like you said, it wasn't, it was cheaply revealed in some places, but like the, the aesthetic of the, of the bodies kind of sewn into the wall and then the cats and the scarecrow. I thought all that, it was pretty unique. You know what's one thing that I took issue with, though, about the location is that how close it was to the road. Yeah. You mean to tell me in 23 years nobody's checked on that property to see what's going on down there? No. And how nobody else in the town, like, you get a little bit into the town when you get to the diner. Right. And this isn't, like, a folklore. Like, the only person that seems to know about this is... Giselle. Giselle. And right. everybody else is kind of fly by the way, like, whatever. And, right? and Giselle only knows about it because she dreamt about it. It's not like she experienced right. anything. Right, like, right, right, right. How do It's far-fetched. You know? Like, like you need to put so that property in the woods, like, like buried behind... Far a, away. Yeah, like you shouldn't find it by accident. No, you shouldn't just drive by it and be able to see a monster throwing a dead body down a fucking pipe. No kidding. Or is that just, like, so normal over there that people just throw shit down... Yeah, pipes. they're like, oh, it's probably his sister. <laughs> he banged her and threw her down a pipe. So that's another one. What about the logic of the movie? It sounds like you're poking holes in the logic. I'm poking holes in the logic because it's so far-fetched. Like, it's, it, and here's the thing about it. To me, it doesn't even necessarily seem that far-fetched until we see what the monster looks like. When we are exposed to what this monster actually is, that's when the, the, the cartoonness of it kind of step like that's when it really becomes prevalent to me that I'm like oh this movie's not scary so there's a very distinct breaking point for you there is yeah it's it, if they had it, so if I'm hearing you right if they had continued on the route that they had with the first 45 and you never see the wings and you never see the villain until like yeah. the very end you would have been you would have been okay yeah like they lost me when he's eating the the inmate all right so this is gonna be I'm gonna go there I think nope I'm not gonna go there Oh, shit, I forgot what I was about so, to say. All right, Matthew, go there then, because I yeah. want to know where the fuck you're talking about going. I think Derry's gay. 
Um, okay. I think, <laughs> I think it's very subtle. Is it the I, rose on the belly button? It's the rose on the belly button. It's their insults in the car. Uh, they, they keep going back and forth like, hey, uh, like the butt licker, cocksucker. It's all very ass related. It's all very ass related. And then on top. <laughs> He's definitely not masculine. Well, and then on Fast. top of that, the, the rose, seriously, the rose. Um, and then there was another thing that I picked up on, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I do this with a lot of movies, but they, they when uh, the creature beheads the cop on the road, he picks up the head. I ha- Oh, man, what's what's the title behind it? Um, he picks up the head and he's framed in a wide shot like this, and he's got the head and he goes in to bite its tongue off, but like how long we are forced to watch him like eat that tongue. I, and then dare we cut back and it's dairy watching. And then later, you know, obviously he, he gets skinned and the guy's like, I don't know, man. Like I thought there were a lot of gay undertones. So in what that. Not that is it's a bad um, thing? I just like, I picked up on it that time. So us being forced to watch the creeper rip the tongue out. What screams gay about that? It was sexual and sensual. It was definitely like there was a moment that he was having with that head. But how do we know whose POV that is? That could be well, that could I'm, be the sisters or Derry's. I mean, I'm thinking that it's coming from Derry because it keeps switching back into seeing him. And I think it's just him recoiled in horror. Like can't look away, not because he's aroused, but he can't look away because he's horrified. All I right. think. I think that's what that scene is. However, that scene is strangely sexual. Yeah. Thank you. Again, I I think I might have just read too much into it, but I did. I I saw it, and I want to go there. I want to say it. So like three whiskeys in, you're saying (laughs) three whiskeys in, Matthew's sitting there, and he's ripping the tongue out, and Matthew's like, ooh. That's that's kind of gay. That's like a very homoerotic uh, monster. Hold on, I'm going to find the shot. He's like, I'm going to step away for a minute. The reason the shot really got me too is because he's framed and in the background there's a billboard and I got to find what the billboard said. The billboard said something about like tastes good or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely a, a side of the road eatery kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it was like a diner. It was like. All right, so maybe it's more, maybe he's just hungry. He is hungry. That's, that's kind of the he whole eats. premise. That's yeah. the whole thing. He needs to eat and he eats like people's parts. So and I can't can imagine it's just parts. wicked easy to rip someone's tongue out with your teeth, so I'm sure that's why it took so long. Yeah, sure. This is I, the shot, this is the shot. I just think that it's a little too sexual. That's it, it's a, right? Yeah, he's making out with that head. He's having a moment with that head. I would, I, would, I would love for us to just watch the clip and just see how long they hold that shot, because it's unnerving. It's gross. It's just gross. So we don't think we think they're going for gay instead of going for. I don't think. Scare. I don't think he's going for gay. I think it's. I think it's a horror element. I think he's just I, trying I'm, to be horrified. I um, don't. I don't think he's going for gay. It was just something I noticed. and I want to inter- uh, interrogate the point. So the last four and a half minutes. Do you want us to cut it? <laughs> no, get out of here. We can leave it. Yeah, that was. That's fine. I just think that well because like that's another thing too. And Ace, back me up here. I mean, uh, in all in all horror movies, there's like that latent sexual uh, element to it because it's just it like sex and horror seem to go hand in hand. They really work, you know. Like Scream, absolutely. Uh, any of the '90s movies, really. That's actually there's a rule about it in that, horror movies. Like there's a whole rule dedicated to it in horror movies. That would actually be a really good thing uh, to point out. You know, we're talking about this movie as kind of a new breed of the '90s. Like this is the first of a 2000. Uh, it was kind of moving away, but it also held on to those elements. I would argue horror movies nowadays. You know, they probably not entirely moved away from sexual elements, but I think that now a lot of good horror movies are exploring a lot of different things uh, instead of just like teenage hormones. I think there's a lot to do with like the amount of vulnerability that's uh, that's present in like sexual acts. Like when you're intimate with somebody, you're extremely vulnerable. So well, that was why. the big thing with the slasher movies. Cause like, right. cause in the movies that come out nowadays, a lot of them are very supernatural. Like that's a big thing in the late 2000, like the 2010s were all about like the supernatural scares. Sure. They're not worried about your vulnerability. They'll, you know what I mean? Like the supernatural get you at any point, you know, they don't need you to be 
having sex to I just think to go in there and do their thing. Whereas like in slasher films, they're gonna go at you when you're at your like you said at your most vulnerable. You know, when you don't have shoes on, when you don't when right. you don't have your car keys right in your hand, when like, you're when butt you, naked, it, and when, like, when you can't run away. You right, know what I mean? Right. So that's why that's why the sexual element is so prominent in those '90s movies. I just think they're finding more now with horror movies. I think they're finding more creative ways to be vulnerable and right. having that exposed. They're not like let's just flash some tits on the screen for ten seconds to get the, to get the eighteen year olds in here. You know what I mean? Like, uh, let me ask you guys real quick: What do you think about the cinematography? Uh, use of camera, use of lighting, way too much. I thought that there were way too many setups for some specific scenes. One in particular is that uh, tube scene. And also the driving scene is like, you really didn't need to do that in so many setups. Like I can tell there must've been 14 setups for one, the, the one opening driving. And why did they use the Dutch angle the way that they did use it? Like Dutch angle being when they take the camera that's supposed to be straight and they tilt it on its side. What can you, uh, I don't remember. Can you point to any examples of when they use the Dutch angle? Yeah. Right in the beginning, right with that car, that their conversation in the car, it would go from, you know, profile him, profile her front wide with both of them in the back and then outside window profile, outside window profile again. And then they would come back inside the uh, the windshield at a Dutch angle at times. I'm like, why the fuck did you do that? Well, let me let me ask you that then. So I don't know this guy, Andrew. Uh, you would probably know better than we would. Um, this guy who directed it, Victor, does he have any credits to his name before? And the reason I bring this up uh, to Ace's point, do you think it was just untrained filmmaker making yeah, I don't, choices? Or I don't do you think, think, it's think like, that um, he actually had a vision for why he was doing it? Okay, so he's got Jeepers Creepers. I don't one think it's really a stylistic two. thing. He's just got a couple. He's written like 12 things and he's directed. I think he's directed all the things that he's written, honestly. Hey, man, kudos to him. That's not an easy thing to do. So even if he is making shit movies, you know, arguably, he's still doing it. He found the formula and he's going for it. So like good for him, but he's definitely not doing anything new. Like you made something that could be franchised. Well, he's got, he's got two in pre-pro. Well, I didn't mean new as in like he's doing something new, but new he's as definitely in, he's made not, money. Yeah. He's yeah. made money. He's, he's done. He, he found his formula, but he's not doing anything like recreating a genre. He's not making and pumping out good film as much as he's just making movies. And I do want to touch on that a little bit because like you just said, recreating a genre, I do feel like this has a little bit of that effort in it. You know what I mean? Like I think they're probably, I think he's probably trying to do something t to that a little bit because um, he's combining monster movies with slasher. Like the way that they're being chased down is in the slasher th form, you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of the theme, that's the vibe that it has, but then you're exposed to, oh, it's, he's. He's acting like in the in the Michael Myers form, you know, like he's he's hunting them down, he's chasing after them, but then you're exposed to what he is, and it's like, oh, it is interesting you bring that up because he looks like the Loch Ness monster. Like, well, it's interesting you bring that up because, like Michael Myers, like Jason, he's actually armed, which is something that people forget about. Like, he's got weapons, right? It's not like he's just gonna eat you. Like, he's gonna cut your head off, then eat it. No, he's gonna be beating you, <laughs> be eating you. <laughs> I, I don't know. So that's something I wanted to revisit. Uh, the first time I remember seeing this movie, I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, I'll take one. Thank you. Um, this episode is brought to you by Miller High Life, um, the champagne of beer. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So uh, what, some, going back to the cinematography, I want to get back onto this because there was one shot that I noticed last night. And I don't know if you guys picked up on it or if you have any thoughts about it. Uh, I can't really figure out how they did it. So it's when uh, it's when the rat the rats crawl up his leg and then he shakes and uh, his sister drops him down the pipe into the basement where the bodies have been thrown. Uh, there is a shot um, directly overhead, like our point of view down the pipe and you see the floor and the shadow and then you see Derry. So he's falling away from the camera in a wide shot in slow motion. I, I don't know, man. It was visually beautiful. It was a moment that I really loved, and I have no fucking idea how they did it. I agree. That's probably the coolest shot in that whole movie, but there's nothing else like it stylistically in the movie. Like Everything else kind of follows the formulas. That's where all the creativity went. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> honestly, he dumped it all into one shot. And I got to say, like I was even watching that, and it was pretty cool. Like I even raised my eyes like, oh, wow, maybe they'll do more of this kind of stuff. But they didn't, and they didn't, and they wouldn't. <laughs> they brought you know, Giselle in. Yeah, 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 they brought Giselle in. <laughs> but I think that they, um, I don't know what 
that was or who had that idea. I don't know if it was the director or if it was the DP that was like, oh, we should really set this up. This looks cool. The director had a day off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And DP was like, yeah, I'm, let me handle He's this. He's like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I will say, though, that the when they got into the cave, that whole piece of it, again, was way too much. And when they even revealed the bodies, I was like, Jesus, man, these are like shiny. Like these are bad prosthetics. This does not look good at all. Like and like, okay, maybe I'm watching a 2001 movie on a 2020 television, but you know, I don't know if you could really hide that. <laughs> like it looks bad and cheesy and shitty. So, so I was just I was just looking over my notes again, and I <laughs> again, this might have been the whiskey, but I kept writing this uh, against all of my better instincts. This is really good writing. It's deceptively simple. Caps, deceptively simple. Um, anybody want to comment? No, no. I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. (laughs) Why? I would argue that the simplest movie, the ones that are simple, I, I, okay. So for anybody listening, I'll, I'll just say this right off the bat. So you know where I'm coming from. I like stripped down movies. I like movies just about characters. So like, as long as, you know, it's character focused and stripped away of any, you know, thing that's extraneous. That's kind of where I'm coming from. So that's why I thought the writing was good. It's about two people, open road. I don't know. Deceptive, deceptively simple. I just didn't Monster. like the dialogue between the brother and sister. Like no. I, I just didn't think it worked. I didn't they there was no there's not enough backstory as to why they'd be I, I get that they're brother and sister, but they're also not like twelve and ten year olds. Like I don't get why they are just constantly bickering and why they wouldn't see eye to eye on anything from the get go. Well, maybe that's what I mean by deceptively simple then, is that you don't need to. As soon as we know they're brother and sister, I mean it it help it doesn't help that Okay. Yeah. But then all of a sudden at the end, she's like, take me. Like, oh my what? God. Get the please. fuck out of here. My fucking eyes rolled the out of my head. Like, why? Why take you? You don't even, you don't like, th- there's been nothing that's led to, to this big reveal of your, your courage, of your moral compass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. Yeah, okay. Dude. That is something I had. Fuck out of here. That, that deceptive <laughs> it's a fucking <laughs> shitty movie that's written horribly. Uh, and I love it. I so, love it. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to just chalk that up to the whiskey then. Uh, all right. So my next note was picture car stunt work was pretty impressive given the age of the vehicles. Anybody else want to take me up on that? I just don't know why they had to have that vehicle. That was just a terrible fucking car. And it was it wasn't even like a like a character point where she liked old cars or she worked on cars or she like this is her project that car. she loves. It's just an old shitty car. And well, she didn't even say like, "Oh, my old man gave me this." You know what no, I mean? Like, no, nothing, like you get you get nothing. little little glimpse of that in movies like that sometimes. Like, and they they try to sneak in the element of the car by constantly having him say like we should have taken my car we should have taken my why do we take this piece of shit well and then like when they try to run the creeper over your your one of your tires would have fallen off if you had oh my god you know what i mean like dude i just came across that note i i don't love how he's run over by the car and how he jumps over the car it's such wire work yeah it's such wire work yeah he's just dangling there like and like that's your move I know that's right? your finishing move is to jump over the car. Right. Like, come on, man. You're not going to like flip the car over or like, you know, disintegrate and then like reappear or some shit like right. that. Like if, like, you, if you have the ability to jump and fly like that, just j- why aren't you on top of their car? Like you are on the police officers just came across my two favorite notes. Uh, can we talk about None of your notes have credibility? Cause they, you were shit faced when you <laughs> no, 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 they're good points. They're good points. Um, also, can we talk about how the monster like sewing and jazz? Like that's a cool writing choice. I did like the, I do like that little end segment. I do like that. They had cool choices. I just thought the execution was terrible. Like I, I could see where they wanted to like, cause there's a, there's an element of horror when you see somebody doing something terrifying to ragtime music. Like mm. that's just a great combination. And it, I just thought it was executed poorly. I just thought that you like, I see we're all like at the table when they're pitching everything. It's like, okay, I could see where this would be cool. You just completely fucked it up. 
And, like, the one thing I didn't like about that end, though, is that, like, the creeper is supposed to be this big domineering figure. And, like, he's sitting on a little stool with his feet up. Like, he's got, like, his legs, like, <laughs> hunched over, like, while he's, like, sewing or whatever the hell it is that he's doing. Putting an eyeball in. Like, he, it just it just didn't work for me. The la- I really fucking hate the last half of this movie. <laughs> it was fucking awful, man. I really love the first half, and I just really don't like the second half. Something that I thought was interesting, too, is if he's taking Justin Long's skin, like, if that's supposed to be, like, a suit that he's going to wear or, like, why that frail little shitty? It's only going to cover half of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- I think it was the rose. He should have taken Giselle. Should have. That's plenty of body. Right. There's plenty of body there to fill. All right. Uh, last note. And then what do you say? We move on to the different uh, sections. <laughs> last just, like, off the cuff that I have. I don't know if you guys watched the credits, but did you know whose name popped up three times as a producer? Francis Ford Coppola. Gross. <laughs> All right. So now that we're done with that. That's not Godfather Francis Ford Coppola. That's, uh... <laughs> All right, guys. So we're going to move on to our next section. Uh, what do you think? Done differently. What would you guys have done differently? This is the section in the podcast where we get to uh, put ourselves in the uh, frame of mind of the directors, producers, and writers. If we uh, had made this movie, what would we have done different? Uh, let's go ahead and start out with Ace. Uh, I definitely would have casted better. I would have tightened up that script a little bit, made sure there were no pieces missing, and maybe embellished a little bit more on the lore of this creature. And I definitely wouldn't have, I would not have revealed the creature until even uh, at the police station. Like, that's like the very end is when I would reveal this thing. I would even, if you did that car scene where it gets run over, I wouldn't have had that happen. Absolutely not. Um, I would have definitely used less camera setups. I probably would have had it told in less cuts. It cut like every 30, 30 frames. It just cut. It felt like it cut a lot. Sure. And I just didn't think that was necessary at all. Scrap it. All right. Andrew, what do you think? Um, I definitely would have provided some backstory for, for, for the two main characters. I would have provided something there. I would have shown some situation with, they're always talking about their mother. You know, I would have shown some situation that had happened with them and their mother just to get that involved. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that's, I think that's an element that could have been added to the story. Um, To touch on what Ace said, I would have never shown the creeper. I just think it's, especially because you were making three, two more movies, you know what I mean? Not that they necessarily knew that. But I just don't think you ever show the creeper. I think the closest thing you show to it is his face. I think the fucking wings that pop out of his face are stupid. And I think the <laughs> wings that pop out of his stupid back are fucking stupid. <laughs> like, I don't think you ever show the creeper. He's got, like, scales. Like, I just, I don't show him at all. I keep him cloaked in that long robe the, with his hat on the whole time. It's terrifying. Mm. He is terrifying. And what Ace said um, about running him over... As soon as you run him over, and even if you want to back over him and run him over again, that's fine. You cut that scene right there. You do not show him regenerating any of that bullshit. Because my whole thing with that is I thought in order to regenerate, he needed to take the body part from someone else. How did his fucking legs just, like, reinflate? I I, I have no idea, man. I think that it was more of... And honestly, when that happened, I was like, oh, cool, the movie's over. Nope, you got 30 fucking minutes left, man. Right. You have 30 minutes left of this goddamn horror show. Well, how fucking hilarious is it? I don't know. Did I dream this or does him as a flattened monster get up and put air into his body from the uh, like air hose at the gas station? I don't remember that no, at all. No, it didn't happen. No, okay, I, I dreamed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, good. You just threw me on that one. <laughs> I, gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I don't remember. I got to really wrap yeah, my head gotta, around gotta, that again. I got to come back to I that. think it was uh, almost too comedic the way that they made the body like flattened and they zoomed in on the flattened parts of mm-hmm. the monster. Cliche. It was like, Bat- Jesus Christ. The word cliche could literally just be the theme of this movie. Oh, my God. It really is the embodiment of rolling eyes. That's what I this see, movie um, is. You guys know who Eliza Dushku is? She was in Wrong Turn. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, bring yeah. it on. Yeah, I yeah, see her yeah, being yeah. perfect as um as as Trish. Like for okay. some, they kind of even look alike a little bit. But like when I'm watching this movie, I just see her and Justin Long. I I think Justin Long was fine. I wouldn't have changed anything necessarily with the cast, but I just think you could have upgraded a little bit. Yeah, I agree there. And there were some even 
like the filler people, like some of the cops, yeah. like there were some things that they were saying that's like, you're not amazed by this. It's just automatically, all right, grab all the guns you can and just start well, right, loading like, lead this into this fucking thing. monster is literally climbing up. Like, Also, why does this fucking hick town have a fucking SWAT team? That's armed at that like, time. Like, it, like To that caliber of armed. Right, like, your Jesus SWAT team wouldn't Christ. be on, they wouldn't be on at like midnight at that point. Fuck no. All right, so my turn. Uh, if I were to direct it, I, I got to be honest, I, I would take a little bit of everything you guys just said. Don't show the monster, uh, better cast. Um, and I don't know, this is something Alex and I always talk about is understanding the limitations of the time that you're working in and understanding the limitations of the tools that you have to create something. This is why Hitchcock was always so great is because he, I don't know, he was all about the reveal and all about keeping things in the shadow until he could actually reveal it in a way that it needed to be revealed. So this is going back to how you were talking about the wings, et cetera. At the time, they didn't have a way to do that cheaply that looked good and it would age well. Uh, so I... As a filmmaker, as a producer, I probably would have just, you know, scaled everything down and put my money to better uses like casting, like production design, like not like rehearsal time. That way you don't have to do all those fucking cuts or that dumbass Dutch angle. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, I pretty much agree with you there. That's uh, yeah. Way to go. Cool. All right, so uh, let's move on to the next section then, uh, guys. So episode two, we're just going to kind of say this all over again so that because last time was a clusterfuck. <laughs> um, so we did done differently. Now what we're going to talk about is if this movie were released today, would it go to theater or would we see it go direct to video on demand? Let's start out with Andrew. I'm not going to lie, man. I think this is a straight to DVD. If this came out today, I think this goes straight to DVD on demand, whatever you want to call it, instant streaming. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't. I mean, Netflix makes a lot of cheesy horror movies. You know, they they put a lot of work into them. I'm not taking anything from that, but like I could see Netflix making this movie. You know what I mean? Like just something kind of like that. Uh, I don't see this. I don't see this being. It's it's evident as how poorly um, the third one was. You know what I mean? Like the third one was a straight to DVD release. Did you see the third? Yeah. <laughs> You did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, what a wasted time you I watch. Had. I don't watch anything. <laughs> Except Crywolf. Don't, you know what? Why do you have to hate on Crywolf? We're watching that next. We're going to do Crywolf next so that we can really get to the bottom of this and we'll get it all out there for the public to hear. Crywolf is not a bad movie. I don't want to do two straight weeks of shitty movies. What, what are you talking about? We're not Crywolf no. I don't want to do two straight C-minus horror movies. <laughs> John Bon Jovi and the guy from the Doja. Uh, uh, what was what was her name? The girl. Uh, she was in like some Disney movie. Arr, you got you got me all wound up now, Andrew. I just I'm gonna watch Cry Wolf, and I'm gonna do a separate podcast called Matthew's Been Drinking Been Watching. All right, Ace. What do you think? Moving on. <laughs> Ace, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I this does not belong on a theater. This definitely would not be pushed to a theater. I don't know how much more difficult it is to be on a streaming service versus just have your stuff pressed for Redbox. Like or like to print DVDs and have stores have them, but I think that's what it would be. It would be straight to DVD, and you would probably get it in the five dollar bin immediately, no shelf life whatsoever. Gas station, Walmart, gas station, Walmart uh, Redbox is where you would find this. Yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know, Matthew. What do you think? Um, you're gonna think it should be in theaters. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> but I'm willing to in, in, interrogate the issue because it can't be denied. It got. It was a ten million dollar budget, and it grossed sixty million. There's a clear argument that people, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe it was just the times, like maybe it was the early two thousands, but I really do feel like it would, if it went to theater, I feel like it would do like similar to like the grudge Two. It wouldn't be a huge success nowadays. I personally would rather see it on video on demand, but I think if it did get released in theater, it might do. Okay. But again, if it was, but again, this is weird. This is a weird part of this uh, section of the podcast. If it did come out nowadays, I think it would have been done differently. Yeah, probably. It probably would be done differently. If, if, even if it wasn't, I think that it still couldn't hold up in the theater. I think there's a higher caliber for theater releases now, especially because you have all the streaming services to distribute to. And on top of that, just to kind of piggyback off what you said, uh, audiences are a lot 
smarter these days or they're they're a lot more vi- uh visual uh lit- they're uh, visually literate they they know what to look for and it's bringing up the quality of our movies today is because audiences expect better i agree with that i agree and i also don't think that we had the the outlets where they were to, where they are today back in 2001 like netflix was around but it definitely wasn't it's streaming like conglomerate that it is right now where you can just get things on its platform i think that most movies need and if you spend 10 million like yeah you know a lot of that money is going to go to getting your movie in a theater to try to make that back and you gotta chalk it up to the marketing in 2001 all these kinds of mark all these kinds of horror movies were marketed so very well that you could put asses in seats oh that's interesting and i'm gonna say something about when this movie came out uh, this movie came out on uh, August 31st. Um, opening weekend, it came out. It's only even remotely close to Challenger was O. Um, the Othello with like Josh Harnett and uh, Julia oh, Stiles, Mackay Pfeiffer. Great movie. Oh, Great movie. Really but, good like, movie. Even the weekend before that, like Summer Catch was a big hit. That was a baseball movie. Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie and, Prince? Yeah. Jay and, Sil- Jay and Silent Bob came out. Um, wow. And like, and like Bubble Boy. Wait you know a minute. What Hold I mean? on. Let me stop you there. So you're saying that all these movies were coming out at the same time and it still did as well as it did? I am, but my, to my point, I'm talking about horror. Sure. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just putting it in perspective. These movies came out at the same time. This was also an era when people went to the movies every weekend. Uh, sometimes three times That's a what week, I mean. That's like a huge... That's a huge people would literally just go see anything. There was not a horror movie that came out before or after this, except um, in... What month was it? I don't know, but I just did that. The beginning of the month, The Others came out, which was completely different from this. Completely different, but that is the horror movie of 2001. And then 13 Ghosts came out after this. Okay, and then when did Joyride came out? Because that came out the same year. Hannibal came out. Frailty Joy- came out. So Joyride was a summer movie. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Session 9 also came out this year, which I have not seen, but it looks like... It always looked like something that would be pretty good. Dude, 13 goes... I, I'm just going to throw it out there. Great movie. But this was also like the same year that Jason X came out. Scary Sucked. Movie 2 came out. Yeah, Love. Fucking... Jason X was terrible. Uh, Valentine, that little horror. Loved, movie. loved, loved. It's shitty. It's cheesy. Loved that movie. I'm just going to, I'm going to give a little spot for that movie. I don't know why in your horror movie selection, The Mummy 2 is coming up, but uh, I'll give a shout out to The Mummy 2. Yeah, Mummy 2 came out in 2001. So I think this can be summed up in, here's the thing about 13 Ghosts too. 13 Ghosts <laughs> is. Uh, I think this can be summed up. Here's the no, thing. About no, this is part ghosts. of this is part of my summation. Thirteen Ghosts is scarier now than it was when it came out. Okay. More people like it now than they did when it came out. Well, it was a weird one. It the was o- really weird. One. When the others came out, the others was PG thirteen. Like a lot of people don't yeah. realize that. So like the others was open to a much more broad range of people that could go see it. I just want to say that is actually the first movie I ever screamed in the theater to. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. terrifying. The others. Yeah, that's so, a good one. Uh, I won't. The big reveal, like when uh, when the when they're in the closet, yeah. and the old lady screamed. Great movie, yeah. yelled. But like in perspective, Jeepers Creepers at in two thousand one. That's probably like the second scariest movie of the year. They really don't have a lot going on for for two thousand one. It's it's a pretty uh, low hanging year for horror. I don't know, man. You got bones with Snoop Dogg, right? Right. <laughs> Gross. All right, let's move on. Uh, so this, I think we've already answered, and you know, this is all part of the troubleshooting process with doing a podcast. Uh, this is probably going to need to be way up in the uh, list, but the next section we got is, did it work? And I think that's a lot of, again, I think that's a lot of taking into account time, context, you know, cast, uh, like, you know. I mean, for the time, like, I don't think you could say that it didn't work. I mean, it spawned two other features out of it. it spawned a complete total franchise out of something I guess you could call original, like a new monster. So yeah, it it worked in that sense. But did it work as a horror movie that you know did something for the genre of horror? No, absolutely not. I thought that this movie was just another extension of the bastardization of horror movies. I want to counter that. I, I want to directly counter that. I will come to its defense and say it worked for the uh, for that very reason. I think that it was a bold move to try and do a new monster and a new franchise. Uh, you know, very. I, I I brought this up earlier. They 
tried to do their own Freddy. They tried to do their own Jason. It, but it had sci-fi and, you know, I would argue it works. I would argue they took a risk in a weird time where weird movies were coming out. I mean, we just went through the list of what came out in 2001. I respect what they did at the time, and I think at the time it worked. Jeepers Creepers definitely works. It's not going to last. Agreed. It's not going to be The Shining. It's no. not going to be it, like like yeah. twenty. So this was twenty years ago. Twenty years from now, no one's talking about Jeepers Creepers. I don't even think anybody except for us in this room right now and this very moment is talking about Jeepers Creepers. I have some <laughs> friends who like watch. <laughs> I have some uh, friends some who watch people. it every October. You know what I mean? Like they have a list of movies they like to watch every October. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some. We're coming up on uh, we're we're coming up on Halloween. Season. I know. I can't wait. Do we yeah. want to like maybe do like some kind of a I don't know. We should talk about it later. But yeah, later we'll get to that. I was talking. <laughs> uh, excuse me. No, I'm done talking. It it worked. It doesn't. It works, but it doesn't work anymore. Copy that. All right, moving on. Uh, well, okay. Again, with the troubleshooting process, we definitely just answered this. Has it aged well? I don't think it's aged well. Uh, it's not going to last, like you said. It's not going to be The Shining. It's not going to be like the Freddy movies. It's not, you know. Even movies well, that okay, came okay. out, like, yeah. Even, even movies that came out in the two thousand, like the the early two thousand, you know, like like the Strangers, for example. I think the Strangers is going to be scary forty years from now. I think the Strangers will hold up, and I got to be honest. I know we're not talking about this. It's going to hold up because of Liv Tyler. It's going to hold up because of a, again a stripped down, simple premise. It was about two people, bad kind of divorce that when they're supposed to be getting engaged, trapped in a house with psychos. You know why that worked? Because there's backstory to why they're so miserable with each other, which is what this fucking movie didn't have. Again, it's about character. Mm -hmm. You got to have that character. Right. You need to see something there, something as to why they're in the state of mind they're in during the movie. Uh, I agree. Uh, Ace, do you want to add in or are you good ace fucking hates this movie this movie does not fucking fucking age well at all all. i knew it right from the fucking rip and i thought i was gonna be pleasantly surprised like oh yeah dude i haven't watched this in years like i'm I'm gonna watch this with a brand new set of eyes this is gonna be awesome nope you know what we should do you know what we should do we should call coach chips and get his take on it maybe not now but i guarantee he's never seen this movie no he definitely did he used to have it on his dvd collection that's where i first saw it yeah it doesn't mean he watched it get out of here he was making cds and watching it all right uh so now we are on to our last section of the podcast and this is my personal favorite it's called the prosecution the prosecution is where we do a deep dive into uh rotten tomatoes we find some movie reviews and we tear them apart either you know that because like for example what the fuck did we watch last week uh, wedding Crashers. Yeah. There were people who wrote shit reviews on Wedding Crashers, and I call bullshit. I want I want those people to be tarred and feathered. Not really, um, but for what it's worth, I do want to bring back the stockades. Um, so, Ace, did you find any in here that you want to tear apart? No, nah, I just agree with them. <laughs> uh, are there okay? Yeah, how about there? There's there some good one. Uh, you know, like real one sentence uh, oh, I like sum that ups. One. I like the plot. This one, yeah. yeah. Uh, as the plot hermonage, uh, hermo- hemorrhages. hemorrhages, thank you, yep. from one dire encounter to another, the schlick old psychic routine is used to explain the plot to anyone who might still care. Right, because no one gives a fuck about this movie halfway through. One of these horror movies in which its characters do such unbelievably stupid things all the time that you literally want to shout at them. Dude, that's so funny. In my notes, I have... These characters are doing the worst stupid decisions, but I don't care because I like Justin Long. It's in my notes, I promise. Uh, that was I, I agree with that review, but at the same time, I don't. Uh, let's see. Yeah, this this whole movie is just a fondue, uh, fondue fountain of cheese just dripping and forcefully <laughs> shooting up and hitting everybody in the eye. Like, nobody wants fondue this way. Here's the thing about this movie, too. Whether it's Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, whatever, you look at all magazine articles, you know, like LA Times, you know, um, what's Rolling Stone, all of the reviews and even like user reviews, they're all summed up in the movie gets a 50 out of 100. Yeah, the, what's the... No matter how bad they bash it. Right, it's 50 out of 100. Yeah, what currently, what's Rotten Tomatoes, uh, what do they got? They uh, they have the... It's like a 5.1 out of 10, I think. Like, well, yeah. they got the, what is it, the viewers yeah. and then the critical? Yeah. Uh, what do what those stand at? I think it's on the... It would be on the homepage. What is 40, so it's got a 46%... Click on this, click on this. 
I think generally right speaking, a lot of viewers are probably on the same boat that we're all pretty right much sum, here. summing up. So it's okay. So on tomato meter, it's 46%. And then on audience score, it's 48%. So it, that's interesting. Less than 50. Yeah. So like break this movie down. Say there's a hundred minutes to this movie, which it's, it's pretty close actually. Yeah. I would say about 46 of those minutes. 113. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to shut that to 100, you know, all right. yeah, take, yeah, yeah. we'll take away credits, take away credit time, you know, things like that. Um, we're going to roughly say there's a hundred minutes to this movie. I'd say 46 of them are good. And, and the, the score it's reflects a 40, that. Yeah, 40, 4.6 <laughs> out of 10, 40, whatever you want to call it. I'd say 46 of the hundred minutes in this movie are pretty solid. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't have anything to add. What are you guys thinking? I mean, I enjoyed watching it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, I think it's, I think it's a good movie that we picked. I, I agree. I, I'm happy that we did this. Because we were able to disagree on things. Like, last week we watched Wedding Crashers to start it out. But we're all on the same We page. all love Wedding Crashers, and I don't know too many people that don't. Except those idiot critics that we found. I bet you're going to find some people that really like Jeepers Creepers, and then you're going to find some people that are on Ace's team and are like, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're like, no, even when this came out in 01, we thought it fucking sucked. <laughs> like, Dude, there is at least 60 plus percent that agree with me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there are there's actually like 64% of the people agree with me versus the 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, so that you know what it means. We we need to watch a really good horror movie. We need to get Cry Wolf up in the queue. That needs to be next. Or we listen, I won't demand that we do it soon, but I want to do it during the Halloween season. We got to watch Cry Wolf. You can do that the next time I get a colon infection in the mouth for 2 weeks. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, I will do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I agree. That's when we can do that episode of Crywolf. Perfect. So I'm looking forward to that day. All right, guys. Uh, what do you say? Let's sign off. Let's get the fuck out of here. Right, yeah, right. thanks, guys. Hope you I'm enjoy. Matthew Belts. This is Andrew Hogan, Alex Ace Caimano, and this is Ben Drinking, Ben Watching. Thanks, guys.